This is episode 564 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Are You Financially Prepared? Eight Common Emergencies and What They Cost. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the HydroBlue VersaFlow water filter. Now if you don't have a good water filter, you really need to go take a look at it. Now I've created a free video and a PDF tutorial that shows you how to take the VersaFlow water filter and turn it into a family-sized water filter. And right now, you can get this family-sized water filter for under $25. So if you want to watch the video, if you want to download the free PDF, and you would like to get a code for 20% off of the VersaFlow, click the link in the show notes or visit PrepperWebsite.com forward slash VersaFlow. All right, guys, before we get into the article of the podcast, I want to read a couple of comments here. Uh, this was kind of funny. This is from Patricia in... It's on DIY Cement, or that episode that was called DIY Cement. And she said, let me me say that again, DIY Cement. (laughs) So she reads, she left this, this comment here. On road noise and accents. Hi, Todd, I thought you would find this amusing. I was listening to this one today while driving. Out here we have more of a stress on the second syllable of Cement. So when I heard you say the title, I didn't hear the T of the word and your stress more of the first syllable. This ended up sounding like making semen in lime like in the old days. Needless to say, this caused a bit of a double take until I listened a bit more carefully and could finally hear the T. All right, so uh, I guess it's cement. I guess I need to say it that way. <laughs> anyway, that was funny. I don't know. I've always said it cement, and that's what that's the way we say it here. So um, anyway, so that was kind of funny there. Uh, thanks, Patricia, for leaving that comment. And then Chip left one on the prepper purge. Are you being conditioned? Uh, he says, I would agree with you wholeheartedly about the conditioning. I really don't use social media except to interact with groups. I belong to you for preparedness and business development. I try to only spend 20 to 30 minutes a day. Yeah, Chip, I completely agree with you. And guys, I'll be very honest. This whole thing has really kind of just soured me on social media. And so I have eventually, uh, finally, you know, erased the, the, you know, the Facebook app and the Facebook Messenger app from my phone. Actually, I think I disabled it because you can't, you can't delete it. But it's disabled, and so it's there. And I got to tell you, I'm really not missing it uh, a whole a whole lot. So in the morning when I do my devotional, I'm just busting out my laptop, and I'm doing it that way. You know, this uh, evening when I did the Thursday night devotional for my church, you know, I, I got on my laptop like normal, and then I, I go to the Facebook group and check that every once in a while. And uh, I'm trying to stay up to date on what's going on over there. But as far as just kind of you know, staying on it and and seeing what all that's going on, I really am not missing it that much. And so to add to that whole deal about social media, um, this evening when I came home and I started, uh, I spent a little bit of time on Twitter to see what's going on. 
Um, one of the things, the software that I run for the district was having issues. And of course, I started dealing with the vendor. And then I saw that there was other issues out there, uh, not necessarily that were just in my district that I saw on the Internet. And so it looked like Microsoft, the Microsoft Azure servers were having issues, right? So I was on Twitter trying to find some more information about that because when there's usually big internet issues like that, uh, I really might just, you know, my ears start tingling and I just want to get a little bit more information. So while, while I was out there, you know, researching that, getting a little bit more information, I realized or I came across a post that uh, Facebook has done another big purge of uh, people that use their, you know, use their their social media platform, right? And so they've banned Alex Jones, Paul Watson, I think from Prison Planet or Infowars as well. Louis Farrakhan, which I mean, he's not even right right wing, right? It's just kind of, I guess you can consider him, but not anywhere compared to um, where where you're gonna find like you know Alex Jones and and all them. I mean, it's just a whole different. I don't know, view there. And then uh, that's one thing people were saying. And then uh, Lois Loomer, I believe that's her name. She was banned as well. And a lot of other people as well. And so there was a video that I clicked on and the guys are We Are Change. Or that's the YouTube channel, We Are Change. And I started listening to it because they were talking about it. And just like a, a real up-to-date report on what was going on. And they were mis mentioning this article at pointer.org and they said that Facebook is using pointer for a lot of their you know ideas on what is truly news what is fake news all that kind of stuff so when they were talking about it I went and I looked it up and it's uh, the title of the article is an index of unreliable news websites and it's at pointer.org so I you know I looked it up and I did a search found it and I was scrolling down through all the websites and lo and behold, your favorite little preparedness website is there, right? So Prepper website is there. Um, I think we were number 300 and let me see here. I'm scrolling as I'm talking. Sorry, guys. Um, so, yeah, we were number 356, right? And so uh, I'm like, wow. So I guess I am listed or Prepper website is listed under fake and conspiracy. <laughs> so there you have it. So the cool thing about this is that I went ahead and bookmarked it because I was, you know, I don't know, I wanted to go back to it a little bit later on. Well, then when I was getting ready for this, you know, for the podcast, I went ahead and brought it up because I was going to talk a little bit about it. And, and when I clicked on my bookmark, all of a sudden it went to a 404 page, right? The page cannot be found, which is really kind of freaky, right? All of a sudden th this is going on. But the cool thing is, and I've talked about this before, is you can go to the Wayback Machine at archive.org and you can type it. If you have the, the URL, right? And so you have the URL, you type that in or you, you paste that in and bring it up. And what do you find? I can find the article again. So I have access to it. And that's why I can tell you I'm scrolling down on it and I can tell you we're 356. But anyway, I think that's kind of weird that all the stuff is going down and then all of a sudden this this article kind of vanishes from pointer.org. And so I'm not really calling conspiracy, but I don't, it's just kind of weird, right? 
And so, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Did people really go to Prepper website? Maybe it's the alt news hub that, you know, that I, I share out. Maybe it's the conspiracy theory page that, you know, kind of got me got me on this list. I, I don't know. But that's one of, again, one of those other reasons why you can't trust all these other platforms. You don't want to build your business if you are, you know, in business. You don't want to build any kind of, you know, group, you know, and completely depend on it for that. You know, the guys that were talking about uh, that I was mentioning on the YouTube channel where they were saying, you know, we are change or whatever. They were like, you know, at some point we can be demonetized or we can be, you know, we can be thrown off YouTube. And that's that's very true. Like if they don't have a means to communicate with their people and what they were telling people is like, go sign up for our YouTube or for our email list, you know, go sign up for our email list so that we can communicate with you again. Alex Jones did the same thing. You might not agree with Alex Jones and what he's done and, and the way that he does things, but the same thing applies. And the way that he's communicating pe with people is through email. And so I just, I, I'm a big believer in that, right? In, in having that email list and being able to communicate with people that way. A lot of people don't, you know, don't like it because they get, you know, junk mail and spam and I want to, I just want to say publicly, I know that I've said it in my email list and, and I've said it many, many times that I do not sell my email list. I do not share it out. I could make money from people who uh, would like me to push their products on there, right? So if there's ever anything shared on there, it is coming straight from me. It is not coming from someone who has bought my list and who has or paid me a lot of money to send out specific messages to my list. And so I just wanna make that clear because there's people that always, uh, th they always accuse me of that, right? And I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. One of the easiest ways to do that, uh, to figure that out is when you subscribe to someone's email list. For instance, when you come over to Prepper website, the first name, type in your real first name or whatever name you wanna use, do a hyphen and then put in the initials of the website, right? So for Prepper website, you would put in PW or maybe you would put in Prepper Web or something like that. So it would be, my name would be Todd hyphen Prepper Web, right? And so you know that when an email goes out, if they used your, your name, it'll always say, dear Todd dash Prepper Web, right? So you always know that. Well, then if you get an email from someone else that says, Dear Todd dash Prepper Web, and it's not coming from me. Well, then you know that I sold my list or I gave access to my list to someone. Well, that's what's happened before for other people that I've noticed because I do that. All of a sudden, I start, you know, I, I'm getting an email from somebody because uh, they shared out my or they, they granted this other person, another marketer, they've granted them access to my web or to my email, right? Because of the email list. So that's one way to easily find that out and check that out because that way, you know, you don't, uh, you know exactly who has your, your, who shared your stuff out if they, or your email list or your email if they, if you do it that way. So that's just one little suggestion there. But anyway, I've been really trying to stay away from a lot of this stuff. And, you know, I haven't been commenting on a lot of things that are going on Things are going, I mean, the world is crazy, man. The things going on in, in France still, it's getting up there. Venezuela 
is is getting you know charged up a lot of crazy stuff that's going on there there is just the world is crazy and if you i mean i know that i'm not talking about this you know on a regular basis before in the past i would always kind of bring up something that's been going on and i just haven't been uh, i know sometimes that can wear people down you know if you're if you're one of those people that like you tend to start fearing what's going on out there in the world it's kind of like todd it's just too much and you know i really don't hear from too many people saying that but lately i've been hearing i've been seeing that from other people right someone shared out a video on on in the facebook group that said hey i'm just tired of prepping and one of my you know when i when i put out my prepper purge series i heard the same thing from people you know hey i'm just tired i've been prepping for a while nothing's happened uh, but it's hard to unsee some of the things that you've seen it's hard to when you know how fragile our world is it's hard to just go ahead and, and like, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and bail when you've really, truly looked into everything, right? So anyway, I, I'm a little long on this, but just to say the world is crazy and <laughs> there's never been a better time to be prepared. So anyway, let me go ahead and jump to our article of the podcast. I'm going to stop yapping and uh, go ahead and get to this one. It comes to us from theorganicprepper.com. And again, the article is entitled, Are You Financially Prepared? eight common emergencies and what they cost. So a lot of good information here. So let's go ahead and jump in. Are you financially prepared for a major emergency? Most Americans aren't, according to a new report. Personal finance site GoBankingRates estimated the cost to recover from eight of the most common disasters, as well as how much you should have saved in an emergency fund to deal with each one. Now here are eight financial emergencies that really aren't that uncommon that could cause you financial hardship. First one is job loss or government shutdown or furlough. The estimated cost is $28,824 if you go through that. The estimated emergency fund you need is $30,000. In the economy of the past couple of decades, job loss isn't that unusual. Sometimes it comes out of the blue too. Here's what you should do immediately if you lose your job. So there is a link here if you are interested in going and clicking on that one. So if you are a government employee, you could lose income due to furloughs and government shutdowns. The most recent government shutdown lasted from midnight on December 22nd, 2018 until January 25th, 2019, 35 days. It was the longest U.S. government shutdown in history. Prior to the end of the shutdown, news outlets reported that dire consequences were inevitable if the government remained closed for much longer. So here's a bunch of bulleted things that could happen. 38 million low-income Americans would lose food stamps. 6 million faced an uncertain timetable for collecting tax refunds. 2 million would be without rental assistance and facing possible eviction. 800,000 paycheck less federal employees would be plunged into dire financial straits. Shuttered parks and museums and overstressed airports would cause tourism to tank. Federal court systems would slow to a crawl. Disaster relief money would not get to storm-ravaged areas. Lapsed FDA and EPA inspections would lead to dangerous outbreaks. Private companies looking to go public would be stuck in limbo. And stock market would plummet. Experts generally recommend saving at least six months of pay to prepare for furloughs and job loss. So a lot of those, I know, um, just, just a little side note, a lot of these things... There really weren't true. The government would still be putting out a lot of these basic things. 
And but I know that the media tries to scare everyone so that they could put pressure on politicians to go ahead and pass, you know, pass a budget or what you know, a temporary budget or whatever. And that's just what happened. You know, they, they weren't able to stick it out and uh, they put a lot of pressure on them. But a lot of those things would have continued on. And those employees that were furloughed, I mean, there was opportunities for them to go take out loans, you know, interest-free loans from the government so that they could pay and they could do what they needed to do. And then, of course, they were paid. Uh, when, when they went back to work, they were paid for the time that they were furloughed. So, uh, you know, that's one of those things. But those of us who would be affected by some of that, maybe. Uh, and you, you remember when uh, I think it was President Obama shut down the parks. It really didn't. It really didn't need to shut it down, but he shut it down and all that kind of stuff just to kind of stir up people. You know, we would be affected by that. Can you imagine if you were going to Washington, D.C. on a vacation and then, you know, you wanted to go into some of the the monuments and stuff, but it was shut down because of the government shutdown. I mean, that wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't have been very cool, right? But, uh, you know, all those, all those things that kind of put pressure on people uh, to do that. But it's very real for those of us who are in the real world and we were to lose our jobs. It could be, you know, it could take a very long time to find a job that would meet our basic needs, right? And in the comment section, someone did say that. They're like, I can totally agree with, you know, the job loss and, and all of that and what it would cost. I would say even more than that. So you really you need to look at how much money you need every single month uh, to, to be able to pay the basics. And you need to multiply that by six months so you have that in reserves. All right, so let's go ahead and jump to the second one. It's flooding. The estimated cost would be $26,807 to deal with that. The estimated emergency fund that you would need is $30,000. Unfortunately, most insurance policies for homeowners and renters don't cover flood damage. On average, the cost of flood damage to homes is $23,635 and the cost of personal property is $3,172. If you don't have a separate flood insurance policy, you could be stuck with that bill. According to FEMA, just one inch of water in a home can cost more than $25,000 in damage. Even if you aren't in a flood risk area, flood insurance is worth considering because more than 20% of flood claims come from properties that are not in high risk areas. To calculate how much flood could cost you, try the calculator at floodsmart.gov. Property damage and loss are not the only expenses associated with flooding. Being away from home for an extended period can be quite costly, especially if you have to stay in a hotel. All right, so I'm just I'm not going to harp on Harvey, but a lot of people were without flood insurance. Um, you know, I went ahead and got flood insurance after we had a flood. It was called the Tax Day flood, and everyone said in my neighborhood that the the water rose higher. It came halfway into our yard than it ever had before. And when they said that, I'm like, okay, next time it could be worse. So I went ahead and got flood insurance, and so then. Harvey came, and so I had I had flood insurance for for that if we were you know if we would have been flooded. But there's a lot of people. There's still a lot of people right now who are living in homes that they were mucked out, but they don't have money to replace walls, and they're sleeping on cement floors because all that stuff was uh, ripped out, right? Oh, let me make sure I say that right. Cement, <laughs> just for you, Patricia. And so anyway, uh, they're sleeping on the floor or you know, their mattresses are on the floor. They don't have carpet or they don't have tile because they just, they can't afford it. And uh, flood insurance really though, 
isn't that expensive. It is just like a one price deal. And so you should really, if, if areas around you have flooded, it should be something that you look into because if the, if the government, if the city, if the county, if they're not doing their part in uh, cleaning out the sewer systems and making sure everything flows freely, then things can back up very quickly. And that's what's happened in our neighborhood. You know, there was, there was places where um, our, the sewer system was getting jammed up and it was causing things to back up. They've done a, a great job. And if they wouldn't have done what, they've done what they did before Harvey, we more than likely would have flooded. But because they did some work, the county did some work, because of pressure that people put on them, we were able to, or we didn't flood, right? And so uh, very appreciative of that. But if you can't afford it, I understand it costs money and it might be something that you never ever need. But if you do need it, you know, man, it's going to pay off because your regular insurance will not cover flood. All right, next up is fire. So the estimated cost for a fire would be $12,635. The estimated emergency fund needed would be $13,000. Now, fire and smoke can cause severe damage to a home. The damage-related cost of wildfire or man-made fires to your home depend on a number of variables, including the extent of the damage and possible additional costs, such as water damage, repair, chemical damage repair, and soot removal. Costs typically range from $3,192 to $26,987, with a national average of $12,635 for a full repair, according to HomeAdvisor. There are things you can do to prevent or reduce damage to your home if you live in an area that is prone to wildfires. So please see, and there's a link here, 90% of wildfires are caused by people, not by climate change. Here's why and how you must prepare your home for the inevitable. I can get that out. So there's a link there here. So if you're interested in that and your area is prone to fires. So for more on how to prevent fires in your home, check out this guide from safehome.org, Residential Fire Prevention and Safety Guides. Next up is the sudden death of a loved one. Well, that estimated cost is $8,755. The estimated emergency fund needed is $15,000. So losing a loved one is not only a tragic event, but it can also leave you with unexpected financial hardships. The average cost for cremation with a memorial service is $8,000, and the average cost of a burial with a traditional burial service, including a casket and visitation, is $15,000, according to Funeral Wise. This isn't to mention any surprise hospital bills that may have come hand-in-hand hand with the death. And guys, that is one of the things. You know, one of the things, it's terrible. And then when you are at your lowest and you are, you know, completely distraught, you got to go. If, if funeral arrangements haven't already been pre-made, if there aren't things in place already, you know, plots already purchased, then, you know, you can kind of get sucked into that. And of course, the funeral homes, if you go pre-purchase, of course, they're going to make a deal with you. But if you need it, they know you need it. And so you're going to pay top dollar. So uh, again, when you're distraught, the moment you're distraught and you're in pain because you love the lost one or you've lost a loved one, then you have to, you know, you're, you're paying these huge amounts of, uh, of you know, uh, of dollars. And so that's one of those things that uh, it would be very wise to be prepared for. All right. So next up is hurricanes and tornadoes. So the estimated cost is $7,232 to deal with this. The estimated emergency fund that you would need is 13000 
The costs associated with a hurricane or tornado vary widely depending on how severe the damage is, with costs ranging from $2,255 to $13,178. According to the Go Banking Rate Report, having $13,000 saved will cover the high-end average cost of repairs. In many cases, the damage is not covered by insurance, particularly if flooding is also involved. Check your insurance policy to see what is covered in the case of a hurricane or tornado. But keep in mind that costly repairs are not the only expense these natural disasters can bring. If you live in an area that is prone to hurricanes or tornadoes, plan for the potential loss of unemployment, like temporary or long-term, higher gas prices, extensive repairs to your property, and unfortunately the possibility of property loss. The cost of being away from home for an extended period of time also needs to be considered. Will you stay in a hotel until you are able to return home? Then there's earthquakes. Estimated costs could be $4,529. The estimated emergency fund needed, $5,200. It's best to invest in protecting your home before an earthquake hits rather than paying to cover costs of the damage afterwards. Retrofitting is done to prevent displacement from a home's concrete foundation, making the house safer and less likely to suffer damage during an earthquake. The cost to retrofit the average home costs between $3,600 and $6,300 with an average cost just above $4,700 according to Home Advisor. If you live near an active fault zone, it is especially important to consider investing in earthquake preparations. According to a 2018 report from National Geographic, more than half of the continental U.S. could expect a major quake within the next 50 years. Then there's medical emergencies. The estimated cost to deal with this is $1,322. And guys, that's on, I'm going to just say that's on the low end, right? So the estimated emergency fund needs $1,500. The Go Banking Rate Report based these figures on out-of-pocket expenses for emergency care and states that having $1,500 saved will give you some financial cushion in case your ER bill ends up being a bit higher than average. Medical expenses can exceed $1,500 by a lot, especially for those without health insurance. In fact, medical problems contributed to 66.5% of all bankruptcies, a figure that is virtually unchanged since before the passage of the Affordable Care Act, according to a study published as an editorial in the American Journal of Public Health on February 6, 2019. The study revealed some troubling facts. The findings indicate that 530,000 families suffer bankruptcies each year that are linked to illness or medical bills. Bankruptcy debtors reported that medical bills contributed to 58.5% of bankruptcies, while illness-related income loss contributed to 44.3%. Many debtors cited both of these medical issues. The current study found no evidence that the ACA reduced the proportion of bankruptcies driven by medical problems. 65.5% of debtors cited a medical contributor to their bankruptcy in the period prior to the ACA's implementation as compared to 67.5% in the three years after the law came into effect. So Dr. David U. Himmelstein, the lead author of the study, said of the findings, unless you're Bill Gates, you're just one serious illness away from bankruptcy. For middle-class Americans, Health insurance offers little protection. Most of us have policies with so many loopholes, co-payments, and deductibles that illness can put you in the poorhouse. 
And even the best job-based health insurance often vanishes when prolonged illness causes job loss, just when families need it most. Private health insurance is a defective product akin to an umbrella that melts in the rain. The possibility of an unexpected medical expense is just one more reason to start building an emergency fund as soon as possible. If you haven't already, here's how to do that. And there's a link for that. Next up, car accidents. The estimated cost is $775. The estimated emergency fund needed is $1,500. The financial costs associated with car accidents vary greatly depending on insurance coverage, the severity of the accident, legal costs, fines, and other factors. If you're in a minor accident and do not want to get your insurance company involved, be prepared to pay for any damage to your car or to the other person's car if you're at fault. Cost will vary based on the extent of the damage, but the average body shop bill for minor accidents ranges from 500 to 1,500 according to the Go Banking Rate Report. It's important to know what your deductible is and where, whether or not your insurance covers a rental car for the duration of the repair. All right, so another, another little just side note on this one here. A coworker was hit just this week and she's completely distraught, man, because she has a really nice truck. And so someone hit, uh, someone hit the car behind her and it was it was a brand new like Jeep Wrangler. And so that car was sent into her truck and then her truck was sent into the person in front of her. So, you know, so there's four cars involved. So, of course, the person that caused the accident that hit from behind and she said, man, she was flying to be able to push all these cars into each other and especially this big old truck. I mean, it did a lot of damage, right? So she's going to be responsible that the woman that that hit at the very, the, you know, the very the car that hit everybody else, right? That caused the accident. And so my my uh, coworker has a ball, you know, on the on the back of her truck, right? And so when she does any towing, trailers, whatever, and so it completely destroyed that Jeep Wrangler on you know this brand new one uh, from the front, and then of course. She completely the front end is is busted up, busted up the the car in front of her. The, but the thing is, is that her bed is like pushed up and pushed in, and there looks like there's structural damage to the frame and all that kind of stuff. So this one person who hit, who caused this damage, if her insurance does not cover all of that, right, all of this damage. Um, she's going to be in, you know, some serious trouble, right? Or at least my friend, my coworker, might not be able to get her vehicle completely fixed because there just might not be enough money. Now, you can always go and sue that person, but you know, if that person doesn't have enough insurance, but anyway, is there going to be anything else that you can do? So, I mean, there's there's possibly, you know, all that stuff you can do, whatever, but you got to pay for lawyers and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff. So, when we were looking at her truck, we we're like, man. If they can't fix this, which again, structural damage and stuff like that, she's not going to get what she what that truck is worth. I mean, they're not going to give that to her. And so not only are you going to deal with the repairs and all that kind of stuff in insurance, but you might not be able to they might give you the small sum of money for your vehicle, which again, a beautiful truck that's paid for, but she won't be able to replace it, right? She'll have to get some other dinky rinky dink car to replace and to drive because it's not going to uh, fully replace 
that truck. So that's another thing that you have to deal with and, and think about when people hit you. Like, you know, one vehicle smashes into like two really high priced vehicles, you know, a Mercedes and a Lexus or whatever. And they only have $50,000 or $100,000 worth of, of uh, insurance. Man, you might not you know, be able to cover everything, you know, and especially when there's a bunch of cars in there. So anyway, I uh, just wanted to kind of throw that out there because that was just recent, something that uh, we were, were talking about yesterday with my coworkers. I still haven't found out what they're going to do with the insurance. All right, so let me go ahead and continue on here and finish out this article as we, uh, as we move forward here. So financial emergencies can happen to anyone. Unexpected financial emergencies can happen to any of us and are not limited to the eight scenarios listed above. See the article 20 times I've been glad I had an emergency fund for many more examples of situations that can cause financial trouble. Many Americans are only one missed paycheck away from financial disaster. So if you don't have a lot of extra money to stash away, remember that every little bit saved adds up. Making small changes in your day-to-day habits can make a big difference. So consider this example from 30 Frugal Living Tips, small changes that result in big savings. $2 saved on a daily basis over the course of a year is $730. If you save $2 on four different things, that total is $2,920. If you do find yourself facing financial emergency, please see the article, What to Do When You Have a Financial Emergency, for things you can do to get through it. All right, guys, so like I said, there's comments here, people that are sharing some of their stories and uh, information, so that's always good to be able to do that. Um, guys, financial preparedness is one of those big things. You know, we always talk about the EMPs and the bug out bags and stuff like that, but this is one of those things that, you know, that really is important that everybody has. And so the other thing, what this article said at the end, like, yeah, it's it's money, right? You might not have $30,000, you know, saved up in the bank. Some people, I hear from people all the time, Todd, I can't buy enough food, right, to store up. I mean, there's not enough money for emergency funds and stuff like that. It's very important that you do that. And so making some changes in your life to get better prepared, you know, making some hard changes now to be better prepared later on can make a big, big difference in your life and in the life of your family, right? And so if you can do that, that's great. Again, that's one of the things that I always mention when I talk about, you know, my micro biz book, my ebook is my micro biz, which turned out to be prepper website was such a blessing. It helped me to be able to be better prepared. And so there might be things that you can do out there, right? When you finally realize like, you know what, this is kind of serious. I should be saving up a little bit more money. I can't go ask for a raise for my job or, you know, I can't, I've already trimmed down everything that I can do, but maybe there are some things that you can do like a small biz, micro biz, something on the side that you can do to bring in extra money. So, you know, that last thing, if you save $2 a day and you wind up having, you know, $700 at the end of the month or at the end of the year, uh, you know, or more, then think about if you're making $20 or $50 or $100 a weekend, right? Because you're doing something, you're, you're, you know, helping people get organized, you're cleaning out, you know, garages, you're, uh, you know, clutter, whatever, mowing grass, whatever, whatever it is, doing deliveries, whatever it is that you can do to earn a little bit extra money. Think about how much 
that adds up when you're doing that and what kind of savings or emergency fund you can have. And so that's part of it, right? Is I understand, man, it's hard. You know, it's sometimes you just want to go home and sit on the couch and veg out in front of the television. But just think of what you can do if you spend a little bit of time each day preparing for working or selling something on the weekends or putting something together on the internet or whatever it might be and and what that can do for your family when you can save a little bit more money so anyway that's just you know my two cents there i know i've gone really long on that and that's something that i'm always going to harp on because i believe in being financially prepared and having an emergency fund and being debt free and all of that stuff right and so if you can add again like i said 20 50 100 a week or maybe even a month what would that do to your preparedness or to your emergency fund or to paying down debt right would make a lot a big difference there all right so this article again is coming to us from the organic prepper like always i'm going to link to it in the show notes there's always great links over at the organic prepper and so you can bounce off of this article and go check out a bunch of other articles and again focus on uh, being frugally minded, being financially prepared. Uh, that, that's really one of the things, major things that we really need to focus on in the preparedness community. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 564. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with me today and this week. It's been a pleasure. I really do appreciate you. I appreciate all the comments that you guys leave, the emails that I get that are so encouraging to me continuing on with you know the podcast and what I'm doing with Prepper website. And I do really do appreciate it when you go over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a review or even you know any of the other podcast networks that we are on, right? Uh, we, we listen to or we are on a bunch of different uh, podcast networks out there. And so I really do appreciate it whenever you leave a review because that just helps people find the podcast and uh, decide to listen to it or not. So I really do appreciate that. So if you're listening to this, maybe this is the first episode you've ever listened to, or you listen to a couple to say, okay, do I really want to, you know, subscribe? Do I want to push the subscribe button? So hopefully you do and you, you push the subscribe button and that way we show up in your podcast catcher every single day because we do this five times a week, right? You know, every single a weekday so that you have it prepared for or you have it ready for your your morning commute so it's there if you want to listen to it there or a little bit later on it, it would be ready for you so if you haven't pushed that subscribe button go ahead and do that i would greatly appreciate it that way you never miss another episode of sweet prepper goodness and take a moment to connect with me i have a link in the show notes so that you can join the prepper website email list Guys, if you're looking for more preparedness content, don't forget to come over to PrepperWebsite.com for articles that you can go and uh, link to, get some more preparedness information, alternative news, conspiracy theories, stuff that gets me on lists, right? And then stuff like that. So anyway, I'd love for you to come over to PrepperWebsite.com as well. And so with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.